Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. How's everybody doing this evening? That was weak. That was weak. There's like four of y'all. That's all right. We're going to remedy that here in just a minute. I know it's just because you're still in awe of the amazing worship set we just had. That's what it is. That's what I'm going to choose to believe. Hey, you know that every time we open the doors of this place, there are hundreds of folks that serve in the kitchen, in the booth, as ushers, as greeters, and tree kids, and student ministries, on the worship team. And they all just give us their time freely. They don't get paid for it, not, not in natural dividends anyway. And so tonight I want to do something. I'm not all of them can hear us, but can we just give some applause to all the servant volunteers that make this happen? We appreciate you. And every time somebody comes to the Lord in this house, your fingerprints are on them. Don't ever forget it. That's a big thing. That's a big deal. Well, as Pastor David said, we're going to talk a little bit tonight about finishing strong. And if you need notes, would you slip your hands up? Our amazing ushers have notes for you. Uh, I'm going to slide up here to my phone for a second. We've got this new tool. We've got an app. I'm not going to turn it on because I will probably mess it up and my Samsung doesn't like it. But you can actually do the notes on here. I've been stretching. I've been growing. I've been taking my notes on my phone, which is difficult for me. I mean, I still carry a folder. You know what I'm saying? That's, I'm trying. I'm growing. I'm stretching. Well, to help set up, believe it or not, my message is only about five minutes long, but there's about 30 minutes of setup. So about six weeks ago, it was decided that we want to talk about finishing strong because there's this crazy, crazy phenomenon out there. And that is this. Statistics say that the average Christian will stay plugged into the local body for five to 10 years. I know that's a five-year window. But that's, uh, that's a nasty statistic when you think about the fact that the word says it's those that are firmly planted in the house of the Lord that flourish. And so you show up day, Sunday after Sunday, you see these people, and then all of a sudden, they don't show up one Sunday, and you're like, oh, they're probably on vacation. And then they don't show up the next Sunday, and you're like, oh, you know what? I bet they got two weeks vacation. Third week, they don't show up, and you go, well, they probably got sick on their vacation on the cruise ship, and that's why they're home. And unfortunately, by about the fourth Sunday, you've kind of forgotten that you hadn't seen them. And then you find out that they've gone on down the road. And hey, look, sometimes circumstances dictate that God moves us somewhere else. It happens. Jobs change, people move, family dynamic changes. But unfortunately, more often than not, that that's not what causes it. And to finish strong, you gotta stay connected. So we're gonna talk about this evening. The very first week, Pastor Ken talked about offense and how if, if you get offended, if an offense creeps into your heart and it's not dealt with properly, then that can cause you to disconnect and you won't finish this race we call Christianity strong. And so the best solution for that is to walk in love and to make sure you have your love walk in check. Pastor Don says it all the time. He'll say, how's your love walk? And that's because his dad taught him that. And then the second week uh, was Pastor Trish, and she talked about finding your identity 
in Christ. You see, you gotta find your identity to finish strong. Because here's the deal, if you don't know who you are, then you don't know why you're doing what you're doing. So if you're gonna run this race, you gotta know who you are so you remember why you're running it to begin with. Week three was Pastor Cody. And he got up and he talked about how to finish strong. You need to keep your eyes focused on God's promises. Because situations in life are still gonna happen. They're gonna pop up. You're gonna hit speed bumps and you need to stand on God's promises so that that detour doesn't become a derail. You wanna get to the finish line. It's a good place to be. And then Pastor David spoke on endurance and how we need endurance to run the race and how that endurance comes from keeping our eyes set, fixed on Jesus. And then he'll supply the endurance that we need to run the race that's set before us. And since they preached all the good stuff, I got nothing and you can go home. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, what the Lord laid on my heart was to preach about something that, that I think sometimes we avoid. Maybe we miss it. And it's the comfort zone. It's the comfort zone. We all like to be comfortable, but can I say that the comfort zone is a dangerous place to be. But in the natural, man, our flesh likes to be comfortable. And so we're gonna talk about that some tonight because what happens is the comfort zone will end up taking a participant in the race and turning them into a spectator. And that's not good. We're gonna know why in just a minute. Before we do that, I'm gonna pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to speak tonight. And Father, more than anything, what we need is an encounter with you. So Father, I thank you for your, anoint, your anointing to preach your word. And I thank you for your anointing to receive your word. That all of us here have ears to hear. That our hearts are ready and they're prepared. Father, we lay aside any distractions. We lay aside the rough day that happened yesterday or the rough day that we're anticipating tomorrow, Father, and we set our eyes on you because we want everything you have for us so that we can run this race strong and finish it and step into heaven and hear, well done. So, Father, we thank you for it, and I pray it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. If we're going to talk about the comfort zone, i got to give you some definitions. So in your notes, these definitions come straight from Merriam-Webster's dictionary. Definition of comfortable is affording or enjoying contentment and security. And look at the example that Merriam-Webster gave us. A comfortable income. Look, I gave you some scriptures about that. I don't wanna focus on that. Can I say that as a Christian, you will never find real comfort in your income? Philippians 4.19 says that God supplies all your needs according to his riches and glory. It's not about money, God supplies it. He'll get you all the resource you need when you're connected to the source. Deuteronomy 8.18 says that it is God who has given you the ability to make wealth. It's all in God's hands. Money will never solve a problem. 2 Corinthians 9, 9 through 11 says that, that it is God that gives seed to the sower. So, so we know that that's, that's a little askew for a Christian. And then the next one was free from vexation. I'm not real smart. I thought that was some sort of crazy vegetable, so I put a synonym in there for you. It's trouble. Vexation means trouble or doubt. Well, Philippians 4, 11 through 14, listen to this. It was good of you to share in my troubles. Is, is that me? 
Okay. I'm like, wow, yes, Lord, your servant is listening. Um, <laughs> the apostle Paul says, it was good of you to share in my troubles. Well, if the apostle Paul's having trouble, my guess is we may have some trouble. And then look at 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 9. It says that we are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. There's some trouble that's gonna happen in the life of a believer. This last one is really the one that ties more to what I'm talking about, and that is free from stress or tension. A comfortable routine. Ouch. A comfortable routine. I wanna promise y'all something tonight. I love you, so when we go here, if your toes get a little step, just know, I love you. I'm only saying it because it's in the word. (laughs) So a comfortable routine. Think about this. Jesus didn't call us to be comfortable. He called us to follow him. If you look at Matthew 16, 24, it says, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. That doesn't sound real comfortable. That sounds like there might be some tension involved in that. Because truth be told, tension in the life of a believer is probably a daily thing. We're really trying to navigate tension. I think so many times we want God to solve a problem when really what he's saying is, no, no, you just need to navigate that tension. So think about what he told his disciples, which is the same thing he would say to us today. His word is eternal. And that is this. He said, there's this conflict inside of you because we're spirit, soul, and body. Your spirit energized by the Holy Spirit now, is gonna have to tell your flesh to get on that cross and to deny the pleasures of the flesh. That's tension, just in and of yourself. And here's the crazy thing. Then you throw everything else in there in the life of a believer. If you're married, you have a spouse. If you have kids, there's that. Then you have this thing we call church. There's all these different things. And if any one area, if we don't manage that tension, then something will snap. And then we end up out of whack over here or out of whack over here. So we're called to navigate the tension, not to make it go away. Look at John 16, 33. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. So there's peace available through Christ. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Now this is important. This is so important. I've done this myself. I think so many times as Christians, we'll say something to our neighbor that just found out that their spouse is threatening divorce. And we'll say things like, well, you just need Jesus. Jesus solves it all. Now, do I agree with that? Yes, but can I, can I say that maybe very possibly what, what somebody that doesn't know the Lord hears Okay, this individual just told me that if I give my life to Jesus right now, when I wake up in the morning, there's no divorce. And that's really not what we mean. What we mean, that might happen, I don't know, but what we really mean is, is that, look, no matter what comes, with Christ in you, you'll get through this. He'll carry you through the storms of life. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And he promises that everything will work out for your good eventually. That's what we mean. But it wasn't what we said. And here's the problem. Our neighbor wakes up in the morning. He goes to work. And he gets served divorce papers. And now there's this crisis, this conflict inside of him. 
because you've just told him. We've just said, well, it's all gonna be okay. It's all good. And the enemy begins to run with that. That's not in my notes, by the way. That was a freebie. So consider what you say and how you say it. The other thing about the comfort zone is this. Sometimes God has to discipline his children. Can I go there? I mean, if he loves us, then he has to discipline us. How about this? Let's say you know somebody that came to the Lord. They're a high-level business exec making several zeros a year, if you know what I'm saying, but they're arrogant and there's no compassion in their heart. You know, the type of person that'll walk by the the janitor in their office building and drop a piece of trash because that's their job. And because of that individual's arrogance and pride, they lose their job. And the only job that presents itself, ironically, is a janitor's position. If we've taught them that comfort is the goal, then what will happen is they'll, they'll say, oh, well, that job's not for me. It's not comfortable to me. But God's trying to use that to teach them humility, compassion, the value of human life. And so if they'll walk through that for a season, uh, Hebrews 12, six to 11, says that ultimately the goal of walking through godly discipline is that we'll have a harvest of righteousness and peace. And God's trying to do that, but now we've short-circuited the process because we've told them that, that comfort's a good thing. So this is an important thing that we need to see. Uh, here's something to think about. When we get com- comfortable, we tend to get complacent. When we get comfortable, we tend to get complacent. And that's actually where the problem comes in. The definition of, of complacent is marked by self-satisfaction satisfied in and of yourself, especially when accompanied by unawareness of actual dangers or deficiencies. I'm good. I don't need anything else. Everything's fine. The problem is, is that as Christians, we're called to walk this life in a process called sanctification, which means things being stripped off of us that don't look like Christ because they mar his image and then we don't reflect him properly to those around us. Complacency says, I'm all good. I'm a finished work. That's a problem. So I'm gonna look at that in the life of David. 2 Samuel 11, uh, one and two, in the spring at the time when kings go off to war, David sent out Joab with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed some bad dudes. But David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. David got comfortable. He was free from the trouble, the stress, and the tension of the battlefield. He was in his comfy, cozy palace. He belonged in the battle, but he chose to stay home from it because he was comfortable. Says he was enjoying his bed. It's the evening. He's been laying in his bed, watching ESPN and eating Cheetos all day while his men are out in the battle. That's crazy. And so then he gets up, he's comfortable, he steps out on the roof of his palace. For for those of you that don't know the account, he then sees another man's wife, uh, doesn't get good. But when he stepped out on the roof of his palace, I, I think that maybe he stepped out on the roof of his palace so that he could walk around and go, look at my kingdom. Look at all of this. This is good. 
he was complacent. Look at that, marked by self-satisfaction, accompanied by unawareness of the actual dangers and or deficiencies. He's up there being complacent, enjoying the view of his kingdom when the real danger was a deficiency of character in himself that he didn't even see. He had a wandering eye for another man's wife and not just any man, but one of his mighty men, one of his warriors in that battlefield. If David had been where he belonged and hadn't gotten comfortable and complacent, he'd have been in that battle and that sin would have never happened. Can I say that sometimes just being in that right place out of the comfort zone will keep you from making some horrible decisions with your life? Mm. We're not gonna hit the end of the notes, it's gonna be all right. For all you husbands and dads out there, you're called to be the spiritual leader in your home. the spiritual leader in your home. Now there are things that a leader can delegate. I can delegate chores to my kids. I can have my son go mow the yard. I can have him take out the trash. I can ask my daughter to help her mom with the dishes. I can delegate those things. But what a leader can never delegate is his responsibility or her responsibility. A leader can never delegate responsibility. David delegated his responsibility. Husbands and dads, you cannot delegate the responsibility of being the spiritual leader to your wife. You cannot do it. If little Johnny has a fever of 104 at three in the morning, do not wake your wife up to go pray for your child. You pick up your shield of faith, you grab your sword of the spirit, and you go to battle. That's what you do. If your marriage isn't right, don't leave it on your wife to get up early on Sunday morning to get the kids ready so that you can come and go to Married for Life with Pastor Lemoyne and Judy. You get up and help get the kids ready because you're the leader and then you get your backsides to Married for Life. Pastor Lemoyne's real happy I didn't say another word right there. <laughs> You do it. You're the spiritual leader and there's an anointing for you to do it. And then your wife comes alongside you to help you in that battle. But you're the one that's called an anointed to lead in your family. That's on you. Mm. So now that we understand some of the dangers of the comfort zone that lead into complacency, uh, let's look at some scripture here. Hebrews 12, one through three. I... Uh, on your paper notes, I think that some of that is bold, is it? It is? Good. Pay attention to what's in bold. <laughs> it says to throw everything off and then let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Then if you look at 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 26, pay attention again to what's in bold. In a race, all the runners run. Run, get the prize. Everyone competes. We do it to get a crown that will last forever. You can go back, fill in the blanks on that if you want to, but here's why I put those in highlighted bold. Because you gotta get in the race. Sometimes you get saved and you thought that that was the race. I got this ticket, I'm not going to hell, I've arrived. No, that's the starting pistol of the race. The finish line is when you step into heaven. 
and you gotta run this race. Now here's the danger of what I just told you. You're only accountable for what you know. (laughs) Now you know. (laughs) And you gotta run. It's our only viable option. You gotta run this race. If you're a husband, that means you gotta love your wife like Christ loved the church. You gotta train up godly children. That's That's part of your race. But here's another part of your race. You gotta go to work when it just stinks and it's yucky and the boss is a, you know, just, and you gotta smile. And when they come in and they push their thumb on you, you gotta show them Jesus. When you show up at church on Sundays, you have a role to play. We'll get to that in just a second. But you gotta run. If you look at our scripture in Hebrews, the only other option is to be part of the great cloud of witnesses. Well, they already ran their race. That's Hebrews 11. They already ran their leg. And because they ran their leg, we're here tonight. And if you run your leg the way that you're supposed to run your leg, after we graduate and step into heaven, we get to be part of the great cloud of witnesses and we'll get to see all the people that are now running the race because you ran your leg. That's why we do what we do. And we have to keep that in mind. And we gotta get in the right race, not the rat race. You gotta get in the right race and not the rat race. See, before you're a Christian, you have no choice but to run the rat race. There's no other race presented to you. It's the only one we got. Chase this bill, chase that car, chase this house, chase that neighborhood, chase this, chase this, chase this, chase this. And that's the rat race. As a Christian, that's not the race we're called to run in. Many of you know, I learned it the hard way. Man, you can run with all your might, and if you just happen to catch whatever that is, boy, isn't the shiny gone off a new car that quick? About the third payment of $400, you're going, welcome to the rat race. But in the right race, then God supplies everything you need. Think on this, we can only run one race at a time. We can only run one race at a time. It's not possible to run two races. It's just not possible. And you gotta run to win. That's what 1 Corinthians 9, 24 said. It said, run to win the race. Look, can I tell you that the biggest thing about the race is, is that we're saving souls. That's what it's about. It's about growing the kingdom of God. That's not a leisurely stroll through the park on a Saturday afternoon. That neighbor, that family member that doesn't know the Lord, they're counting on us to not take a leisurely stroll. Because every day there's people lost, dying and going to hell. We have to run. Because people are important. People matter to God. Number two, don't be a spectator. I don't have to hone in on that. We already talked about it. The only time we get to spectate is when we step into heaven. That's what happens. Here's why it's not okay for us to be spectators here on earth. Because spectators are prone to looking for a more exciting race to watch. Spectators are prone to looking for a more exciting race to watch. I'll prove it. Any men in here have the NFL ticket? Nobody? Okay. Oh, one guy. There we go. 
You sit down to watch the game, the problem is there's three of them on. What do you do? Click, click, oh, interception, look at that. Oh man, they fumbled it. Let's get over here on this other channel. What's going on in this game? Oh, the Cowboys are up, that's a miracle. Sorry, my flesh showed a little bit. How about for you ladies? It's the second week after, after Thanksgiving. Hallmark's got all them good movies on that you like to watch, where boy meets girl, girl moves off to some other city to take some job she should have never taken anyway. He meets another girl, she meets another guy, but ends up back home because somebody's dog died and she falls back in love with him and doesn't marry the other guy. That is every Hallmark movie, by the way. (laughs) Ask me how I know. Let me just say that I know because I watch them with my wife from Thanksgiving till Christmas. And can I just say that, man, if you will sit down and watch some of those, you might get to do a little more deer hunting. If you don't get that reference, go back and listen to Sunday's message. I'm just saying. So Hallmark is on and it's the new one. You know, normally there's like 752 of them that they play that are all the old ones, but then there's that one new one. That one's on but so is the notebook and the lake house. You're doing the same thing as a man watching NFL. I'm just saying. Oh, this is where Keanu Reeves realizes he's in love. We're prone to do that when we spectate. (laughs) Ah, Number three, you gotta realize who you are. Pastor Trish did a great job talking about this. Here's what I wanna focus on in that. I am a crucial part of the body. I am a crucial part of the body. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 27, Romans 12, three through seven, Ephesians four, it all says you're a part of the body, 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 you're a part of the body. And if every part of the body will work in unison and do its part, This whole thing grows into maturity and we will reach more people. Here's the crazy thing. If I remove my thumb from my body, will my body still function? What will my thumb do? This body will function if you don't do your part. It'll just be a whole lot more effective with you in the right place doing what you're called to do. But if you separate yourself from the body, You shut off the spiritual flow of life. That was one of those toe-stepping moments. (laughs) Um, Serving in my role saves lives. Serving in my role saves lives. Look, Pastor Don has said it to us and 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 said it to us. We want to be a church for the unchurched. We wanna build bridges to lost people. We sit and pray about it and strategize about it and he refuses to let us be anything else because lost people matter to God. So we're helping you evangelize. We have set the stage intentionally and if you bring those lost coworkers, loved ones, family members, all of that stuff, we'll evangelize to them for you. 
And you can come and go to Married for Life and then slide over and watch a three-year-old or come help in the parking lot or be an usher or a greeter and do your part and we will help you win the lost people in your life to the Lord. Pastor Don will accept nothing less from us. We have a good senior pastor and that's his heart. Mm. And then last but not least, you gotta fall in love with the mission and not the method. You gotta fall in love with the mission and not the method. Uh, Look at this scripture in the message translation. Even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all. Look at that, Paul's saying, look, I volunteer, I serve. To any and all in order to reach a wide range of people. Religious, non-religious, meticulous moralists, loose living immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized, sounds a lot like the unchurched, doesn't it? Whoever, I didn't take on their way of life, I kept my bearings in Christ. Can I tell you this, when methods change, Pastor Don is gonna make sure we keep our bearings on Christ. He's not gonna let it spin out of control and get away from that. So we don't have to freak if a method changes. We're gonna keep our bearings on Christ. I keep my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did all this because of the message. I didn't just wanna talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. Real quick, when we get saved, we tend to fall in love with the method that worked for us. But can I tell you that the method that worked 50 years ago is not the method that worked 1,500 years ago? The mission of Christ was the exact same, but it looked different 50 years ago than it did 1,500. And it looked different five years ago than it did 50 years ago. And it looks different today than it did five years ago. And guess what? Five years from now, it's gonna look different because culture changes. And we need to be cognizant to be willing to step into their world and take their point of view. Because we're trying to reach them with the message of Christ. I know the music sometimes is, oh, that's so loud. I know, I get it. We're trying to reach them. Man, there's like a laser light Pink Floyd show going on back there. We're trying to reach them. Look at the words of the songs that we're singing. They're still worship songs. The methods have to change. I'll show you that even in the word, real quick, same mission, different methods. Moses, leading the people of Israel, comes to the Red Sea. God says, stretch your staff out over the water. Waters will part, you'll cross on dry land. 40 plus years later, Joshua's leading the people of Israel. They come to another body of water. I imagine that the very first thing that shot through Joshua's mind was, where's Moses' staff? <laughs> I gotta hold that thing out. We got water. And God told him, mm-mm, won't work this time. You pick up the ark, the priests will carry it, and as soon as their feet hit the water, the waters will part and you'll cross on dry land. Same mission, very different method. Back to Moses. One time he's told to give the people water. God tells him, hey, take that, take that stick of yours and smack that rock. He does it, water comes out. Next time the people need water, he says, speak to that rock. You know what Moses did? He smacked it. 
And because God loves the people, water came out of it. But you can read the account for yourself. It cost him his place in the promised land. That's strong. I don't know who that's for. We have to be willing to change the method. And if we fall in love with the mission, then the method's really irrelevant. And we can be excited that maybe this new method will bring more people to Christ. But all of this starts with salvation. You can't even be in the right race unless Jesus is your Lord and Savior. It's just that simple. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.